We'll do it live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. First off, thank you for downloading the show. We really appreciate it. That's the whole reason why we do the show at all. Well, this show is uh, a best of the live edition of the show. Over the last 12 months, we've recorded the show in three different cities. We recorded it in Chicago, Illinois, Brooklyn, New York, and Washington, D.C. We had a lot of fun, and that fun, hopefully, will be in your ears very shortly. So the show that you're going to listen to is kind of sort of structured like the live show. It opens with a monologue. There's some interstitial mu- music. This time it's by this uh, great artist named Michael Sanchez. He goes by The Way It Is, so check him out. It's interviews. A lot of the interviews I did, I think there's about eight interviews I had with really fascinating people like Robin Hilton and Bob Willen from All Songs Considered, Dave Zirin, he's a sports writer with Brian Moylan from Gawker, that kind of stuff. Then we go into the stand-up comedy portion of the show. You'll hear a little bit of the way it is in between, and then you'll get to hear performances from people like Nick Vatterot and Martin Plant and Aaron Jackson and Megan Gailey, and it's fantastic. After that, you'll hear a little bit more of that, the way it is. And then there's the musical aspect of the show. Who, who do we have on that one? We have Daniel Knox, my absolute favorite. We have Rock Falls. We have Pearl and the Beard. Chris Styles Bacon. There's just, there's just so much awesome, great stuff. So that's what this episode is. Uh, if you've never heard the show, welcome. This is a great way to start. Uh, if you have been in the show and you've never listened to the actual podcast edition, well, you can see how it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more polished, some might say, though this intro does not prove it. And if you've only listened to the podcast, well, hopefully this is something that you can give your friends and say, hey, it's not too awful. So without further ado, the best of 2011, you, me, them, everybody live. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful night. Please won't you be my neighbor, neighbor and friend. I'm in a good mood. Which means I'm in a weird mood. I'm not in a good mood usually. That's a very, very bad problem. Here's why I haven't been in a good mood recently. We did a week of shows in New York City. We did six shows in four days. And those were long shows. <laughs> Jesus. Those, those didn't go how I thought they were going to go. We were uh, doing these shows in hostel, in the hostel in New York City. <sighs> Here's the thing about that. The person that we worked with for the hostile situation is this awesome, awesome dude. And he's seen the show here and he's seen the show at other places and he, he reads all the press about the show and he's a good, awesome dude. And he's like, hey, what if we did this? And I was like, yes, let's do this. I want to travel. We're going to travel the country doing the live show in hostels. Oh, it didn't work out. But we were so gung-ho. We did one in D.C. and it was a medium. And then we went to New York and we did the shows and they were fucking painful. Those were the shows where you're like, you're going to pay your dues. You paid them all at once, man. And it wasn't fun. And like New York was just just kicking the living shit out of me. And I was like, why? It was like, ah! That was two weeks ago. I finally got over it. Yesterday. Yesterday was my mother's birthday. I agree. No, no. She's a lady. All right. Um, so we're, I, I, I'm like thinking about my, it's my mom's birthday, and I'm about to take a shower because I just went running, and I'm not good with moving. And I had fucking bloody nipples, and I had peanut, I had peanut butter in my eyebrows because I don't know how to make sandwiches. And I just, I was looking in the mirror, like, and this is one of those, like, uh, if I was rich, it'd be like a bombs moment, but I'm just a dude, so it was just a moment. And I was thinking, like, 
Oh my god, I'm 28. Get over it, man. It's not that bad. Like, stop blaming your mother for anything ever. This is just good life advice for the world. Stop blaming your parents for anything ever. You know why? You're in a first world country. I'm sure some of the listeners at home aren't in a first world country. And to those people, I'm so sorry. Move. There's got to be a, like a Southwest type of situation in other countries that will get you here. It's not a bad place. Occupy, everybody. So <laughs> I'm not where I want to be in my head, but my head is all screwed up. And I have this lovely fiance that I've just been dragging through hell. This is like a hypothetical hell. Hell is like, I don't know what I want to eat for dinner. I guess I'll try. I guess I'll drink every night because I can. And it's and I should be like, I get to drink every night because I can. This is the best. But I'm not enjoying it. But now, oh my God, I had that realization two days ago. And I'm having a blast. It's the best. I get to drink a bottle of wine. But like, that's not too much because that makes you not an alcoholic. And I'm from the Midwest. So like, you're barely drinking at all. It's the best. <laughs> Why aren't I like this all the time? I get to hang out with the coolest people. I'm not joking. I got to hang out with the dude that's like a snarky gay dude from Gawker. Like, we hung out and we had fun together. And this isn't sarcasm. No, he's a snarky gay dude from Gawker. And we became fast friends. I get to see one of my favorite comedians that's living, who's James Adomian. And I made him say the Pledge of Allegiance in a character's voice. Have you ever done that? No? You got a job. Okay, I see the difference between you and me. But that's okay. Okay, sooner or later this will lead to a job. We're in the best place we've ever been. Like the the show is getting like crazy good press. The AV Club said we're like the top we're in the top five podcasts. And fuck you, Nathan. <laughs> fuck off, man. They did. They fucking did. And that's crazy. And all these awesome things are happening. And then I, and uh, yesterday, what did I do? Okay, I woke up. I did my very minimal work because that's all I could find. And then I got to write a column about how I'm going. I should be the next Doctor Who. And that's awesome. That's a, no. It's not gonna happen. But still, that's pretty cool. stage two people that had no idea what was in store for them they're the people behind all songs considered and they make podcasting much much better please put your hands together everybody for robin hilton and bob boylan you don't have to tell me your ages you two but you're not young kids is that correct bob is definitely not bob and robin are not you haven't been young for a long time how do you? St- why do you still listen to new music if you're not young? I don't get it. <laughs> I'm why haven't we? Ha- why haven't we just died already? No, 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 no. Get out of the way. Not die. Okay, we, interns pick everything. I, I don't so, listen to any music. So, we we literally we come in with our walkers. Uh, the interns help us ease into our chairs. They get us breakfast. They get us breakfast. Bring us coffee at ten and two. Uh, and then they give us wait, a wait, list wait, of... You have a uh, coffee schedule? Well, I... Bob, is it for digestive I, reasons? I'm not allowed anymore. Yeah, it is. It's prune juice. And, uh, and then uh, at, at some appointed time, we get up, we're wheeled into the studio and given a list of songs that are 20-something. You, you, you said you wouldn't say wheeled. We walk on our own accord <laughs> into the studio. Uh, you appear to be an old married couple. Is that true? <laughs> Uh, there no, was. Uh, 
We've been accused of that uh, Do you get definitely a at work. Pleasure from loving or being loved. <laughs> Bob, uh, from you, I need your unconditional love. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, like a sort of a. You bit haven't of hit a, the record button yet. I hope. There's a record button. <laughs> How old is NPR? Clunk. Clunk. You have three buttons. So the the real answer to your question, because for eight seconds we'll be serious, which is my generation, the boomer generation, music was super, super important. And in my lifetime, I grew up seeing, like, the Beatles in 1964, the Beatles in 1967. Mm -hmm. Three years, what a huge change in music from something like I Want to Hold Your Hand to Sgt. Pepper. So I always expect that in music, and I always want it. And so I'm always looking for it. It's just, it just does it happen anymore? What it should be, it happens all the time. Name one band. We have. I, I'll say, I found magic in my favorite record of the year, which is the King Creosote John Hopkins record. Okay. Which is uh, just an absolute diamond mine. It's just absolute, unbelievably beautiful record. And yeah, I, I would also say the age thing. Um, there's so much that we do that you, Bob. I'm not insulting your age or anything like that or saying that you're ancient but you really do bring you've got to have some historical context I mean you understand <laughs> you, it helps to really you know he, he fills in so many areas that I you know things I didn't experience or mm-hmm. I don't know as well and you know when we go in and do a guest DJ session with I don't know who's someone that we did Nick Lowe Nick Lowe you know and, and you dropper. can make a reference you know you're able to to reach into the Tom York. yeah and uh, it Tom helps put Jones. things in perspective. Wait, wait, wait. Did you guys, did you guys work with Tom York? Yeah. We did Where did you look? DJ. Which eye? I'm serious. Uh, well, <laughs> like, does he, he have a segment? Like, does somebody go, like, the right one? Does, does anyone do that? Two things. It's radio. He was, he was overseas. Uh, okay, that's a phoner. Come on, man. That's satellite. A phoner but, satellite, but, yeah. But when we did yak, um, <laughs> I, looked, I looked at his bodyguard. No. Does he have a bodyguard? No. No. <laughs> all right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, please put your hands together, everybody, for Wyatt Sinak, everybody. Wyatt Sinak. Final question. What is your favorite piece of hate mail you've received? The favorite piece of hate mail I've yes. received? I try not to go through hate mail, and I don't know... I thought that would be the best part of the job. That's terrifying. That's Well, you like, don't have somebody else open it. Well, a screener. No, we, I mean, I don't, it's weird, because I think in the world of, like, email and all yeah. that stuff, hate mail doesn't really, like, no one's going to take the time to do, like, oh, snail I mean, hate yeah, mail. Like email, e- anything. But I don't, I, I don't have, like, uh, I don't have, like, Twitter or yeah, Facebook. Yeah, you're very hard to follow. Yeah, and I'm very hard to find, too. Yeah, I know. Because I think you, I, I saw your emails that you were like, hey, can you be at the show at 1130, and I'm just now reading them? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Which I got here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't respond, but I'll show up, maybe. Um, Keep me on my toes, man. Uh, that's, I, like to, I like to keep it interesting. But so, I love that about you. In that way, though, I'm not very... Like, I, don't, I don't do that stuff. But every now and again, I, I will find out about something like where... Like, the creepy things people do are, like, I'll be on the train, like, on the subway, and I'll find out that someone, like, 
took my picture on the subway and then tweeted it. Like, I, I just, uh, for those of you not in the room, I just took a photo of him forgetting to turn off the flash. But Sorry the, about Oh, that. no, that was okay because we're not on the train. On the train, <laughs> it's a little weird. It looks like we're in a train, though. On the subway, the, it is, this does look like a train. This I is, think this used to be a train. It's beautiful. This was a train that crashed in Williamsburg. And then they were like, what should we do? And somebody was like, let's just fucking get a liquor license for the place. And so then they turned into a bar and they were like, what about the dead people? And it was like, I don't know, put some funny glasses on them and call them a band. And now this place is haunted by the ghosts of, uh, you know, it's a ghost band that haunts this place. This is a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> but um, it's like the best Scooby-Doo episode ever. Fantastic. Please put your hands together, everybody, for Dave Zirin, everybody. How did the owners ruin the Mets and the Knicks? Oh, my God. I mean, wh- where do you begin? I mean, the Mets right now, I mean, I grew up thinking the Mets were my team. Yeah. But now they're, they're Bernie Madoff's team, as we now know. The owners are $600 million in debt because they were borrowing money on the team and investing it with Bernie Madoff. And now they've asked the city to help yeah. pay them back. So, which that's not a crazy thing. It's, most sports uh, venues are owned partially, or if not wholly, by the city. That's not no, a crazy Mets well, thing. See, but that's the thing: is they're paid for by the city, but they're exactly. not owned by the city. It's this magical process where the debt is socialized, but the profit is privatized. Yeah, it's awful economics. I call them like neoliberal Trojan horses because they come into our city. We think, yeah, we all love sports. This is awesome. And then the next thing you know, we're paying for it. And schools, hospitals, roads, all kinds of things that actually need money are ignored. It's a huge, horrible scam. And they exploit our love of sports to push these projects through. So it makes me actually uh, rather infuriated. Are there any other sports from Chicago, you should know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Chicago because Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, for those of you that don't know, is a partial owner of the Bulls. And I think a complete owner of the of White Sox. Of the White Sox. Sox. Their Who? stadium cost, I mean... By the time it's done, $300, $400 million yeah. in public money. Yeah. While Chicago schools are shutting down left and right, cutting physical education, cutting uh, drama programs. And the other thing about Reinsdorf, which is so crazy, is that his pet project, the thing that he lives to do, is standardized testing in Chicago schools. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. He runs a... Co- he runs a so-called nonprofit, even though it's a, a $75 million a year industry, uh, just student testing in the Chicago public schools, runs it with Christy Hefner, who's the oldest Hugh daughter Hefner? of Hugh Hefner. Yeah. And it's this incredible scam where it's like they're, they use the results of these standardized tests as an argument to privatize and destroy public education in the city of Chicago. What about the Green Bay Packers model? Where it's, Fun, right? No, this is <laughs> very fantastic. I think people that hate sports would really like this interview. I'm serious. Um, it gives them more fuel. Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. fan-owned team. People ask me who the best owner in sports is. I always say the 112,000 owners of the Green Bay yeah, Packers. Yeah, so there is a way to do it yes, right. absolutely. There's a way to do it and do it right. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, this could happen right there. Yeah, could you please explain to the folks that this is insane. Absolutely. This has never happened in baseball, has no, it? it's never happened in baseball history. The Major League Baseball's commissioner, Bud Selig, last week or about a week and a half ago. Yeah, Bud Selig is awful. Um, I agree with that. He seized the Los Angeles Dodgers from their owner, Frank McCourt. Seized it from him because Frank McCourt could not make payroll. This has only happened once before where a team was seized by, by, the, by uh, the commissioner, and that was Marge Schott in the 1980s. <laughs> but not because she was bankrupt. That was just because of crazy racism, right? Yeah, she collected swastikas. Yeah. And, uh, and she called... She did. No, she, and yeah. she bragged about it. Yeah. 
She bragged about her collection of swastikas, and she called Eric Davis, who was her star player, her million-dollar N-word, with a big smile on her face, and she didn't say N-word either. And she's saying this to Sports Illustrated as if it's the most charming, folksy thing in the world. And this is when they were the Big Red Machine. People loved the Reds at the time. Uh, A little after Big Red Machine. I think this was like right 1990, like right... Okay. Red Machine 70s. The so, Johnny oh, Bench, like totally Joe wrong. Morgan, Pete I Rose. I fucked that up. No, no, you're all good. You're all good. Marge shot, Nazi. There you go. If they'd allowed her to keep the team, I have no doubt that she'd be running this country right now with an iron <laughs> fist, sending us all to the camps but, in Cincinnati. But, so, but that was more because she was embarrassing the game. Frank McCourt, who's... Yeah, I hate Dan Snyder with a passion. I usually... <laughs> I usually reserve for measles and chicken pox. Dan Snyder, I, for those of you listening at home, he's the owner of the Washington Redskins. Yes, awful person. The chapter on Dan Snyder in the book is called When Costanza Got Hair. Because if you think about it, he looks exactly like George Costanza, except with like a big rug. And, and except, but the difference with, he has all of Costanza's insecurities, like these horrible preening insecurities where he's like, like Ugh, that person just made eye contact with me, fire them right now. Like he's known for doing that. Um, I know an owner in the NFL who introduced himself to him and said, hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm a new owner. Da, da, da. And Dan Snyder looked at him right in the eye and said, first of all, the name is Mr. Snyder. And he said, and the guy said right back to him, well, well fuck you very much. And... But he, was just, but he felt like slapped in the face. That's who Dan Snyder is. He's the worst person this city has produced. And this city has more than its share of horrible, bottom-feeding people. And we should, we should Green Bay the Washington football team. I would love it. I would love to get... Because you know what makes Green Bay so threatening is that it proves that owners are superfluous. We don't need owners to have sports. We don't. And you know the thing about Green Bay, 60% of all concessions, proceeds, uniforms go directly back into the community. Imagine if every time you saw a Redskins jersey, you said to yourself, wow, that's paying for a PE teacher in Southeast. As that would be an amazing thing. Instead, every time you see a jersey, you think to yourself, wow, Dan Snyder has another gold-plated toilet in his mansion. (laughs) Not a good guy. He makes uh, Charlie Sheen look like a model of restraint as well, which is (laughs) terrible. He's a bad dude. Please put your hands together, everybody, for Brian Moylan, everybody. Woo! Brian Moylan. How did you get your job at Gawker? Um, I, um, I'm, so I moved to New York, and I started writing for um, Next Magazine for Homosexuals, which is uh, like the gay nightlife magazine in New mm-hmm. York. And while I was there, Fleshbot, which is the, the Gawker media pornography blog, was looking for someone new to write about gay pornography. Okay. <laughs> and so they... And I, I was actually sitting in my office reading Fleshbot. Well, I, I guess reading. I was looking at Fleshbot. <laughs> and I was thinking, who gets to write this? That's such an awesome job. How does that happen? And then, like, a week later, my phone rang, and it was Fleshbot. And they were like, do you want to write Fleshbot? And I was like, yes, thank you. The secret works. Um, <laughs> and so I started writing for Fleshbot, and um, the owner of Gawker thought my musings about homosexual pornography were uh, funny. And so when there was an opening at Gawker, he um, asked me to try out. Can we talk about pornography for a little oh, bit? Oh, yes. Okay, good. My second favorite thing to talk about, next Anderson Cooper. This is the night of your life. I know. Um, I don't get it. What, do, what don't you get? 
Um, I was a women's studies major. I was a very victim advocate. I was I held all these positions that made me like n- not like pornography, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to turn the tide because I understand that pornography is a very important role in society. I'm totally serious, and like you, it's very fucking healthy to use pornography in the right ways. True. And when I say the right ways, we all know what I mean, and that means ejaculate with consent with yourself. That's what that means. Right. I can't pos- I can't enjoy pornography. Like I can't physically do it because I I think of all the stats behind it, and then it's just like, oh, that's a shitty stepdad. Like, oh, that's a bad uncle, and like I just see those things like getting you know, there's ang- healthy ones, right? Exactly. What are the, where are the healthy ones? How could I find that? How can I get over my neuroses about pornography? Um, I think maybe you just need to expose yourself to more of it, or maybe you just need. <laughs> To, like focus on something other than I did okay before I did all that you? stuff I used to be a video store clerk at 15 which right. means I saw every porno released between 1990 and 1998 right. when I worked at the video store so I've exposed myself to lots of it I don't think that's the issue well maybe it's just not for you but there's got to be something for me there's something for everybody have you tried gay porn no I haven't tried gay porn well all right maybe I hope to be gay or maybe you, you don't like, have to be gay to like gay porn. No, lesbians love gay porn. Well, I guess they're gay too. Okay, um, but there are straight girls who like gay porn. I like gay porn not in the sexual way, just like wow, they're good looking. You yeah. just you like attractive people, and gay well, people I are more do. attractive but than straight as a, people. As a women's studies major, like you know, there is all of that like weird like male female dynamic in straight mm-hmm. porn, where it's like women are sort of being like taken advantage of or oppressed or whatever, and it, it sounds like that may be something that upsets you a bit. Yeah, and that there isn't that in gay porn because it's like two boys or two ladies. Maybe you just need more girl and girl. Maybe that's it. Dominatrix. Yeah. No, I knew too many dominatrixes. It's ruined. So, no, no, <laughs> I, I know, know their the stories. Works. Their stories are just as sad to me. But no, I know what you mean. It's like because I know a handful of porn stars from my dealings in the pornography yeah. industry, and like when you know them, it's like a little bit like weird to like watch them. On the on the other hand, sex workers are like the nicest people in the world. Well, because they have to be, or else they're not going to make a living. Really? You think it's important to be nice if you're a sex worker? Well, imagine. Yes, I, like, that's not a joke. That's a serious question. Yeah, because like if if. If one is a sex worker, like myself, no, just, I have never been a sex worker. Um, but like, if you're a sex worker and you show up, like the way you're gonna like please your client is not only like giving good head, but it's also making them feel like loved and welcome and open. Okay, I see your point. I like where we're going with this, and let's go the opposite route. Okay. <laughs> Do you want blowjob tips? Yeah, give me one. Oh, um, be into it. That's, uh, but isn't that just you know what? Isn't that just a light tip? No, it is scientifically proven that the worst blowjobs are, are are when your heart's not in it. So just you just gotta make sure that. But that is really everything. You know what though? I gotta disagree because I thought I've read a lot of articles and blah blah blah. You're even if you necessarily in it, if it will give your partner pleasure, it's still worth doing. Yes. Right, but if your heart's not in it, you're not going to do a good job at it, and then you're okay, not going to Okay, do you have it. any tricks to make your heart into it? Let's say you're like a 5 out of 10 when you start, but you want to end with a 10. How do we get there? Hmm, that's a good question. I know. Think about The Good Wife. That's usually what I the do. The television show, The Good <laughs> yeah. Wife? Isn't that show so good? I fucking love The Good Wife. You know where it's and shot. It was one in New York. Yeah, in Long Island City, not Chicago. Sorry, it's a Chicago-based show. It's I fantastic know. if you haven't watched it, listener at home. It's so good. It's She's a very, very important person in the history of rock and roll, and I'm sure she hates hearing that because it makes her sound like her career's over, but it's not, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, it's thriving, and she's released a new book. Coming to the stage, please put your hands together, everybody, for Sean Yassault, everybody. Sean! This is why I need a guy with a sound. How are you, Sean? 
I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? How poorly did I mispronounce your last name? No, that was perfect. You're so nice and a liar. <laughs> you probably had to be a very, very big liar for a lot of your life because you were the bassist in White Zombie. The only thing I lied about is that sometimes I pretended like I was a guy to book us gigs. You don't look anything like a man. <laughs> People thought I was. What coked out individuals were you talking to? <laughs> but you were in White Zombie. How, uh, sum that up in 30 seconds. You just wrote a whole some, book about it, so wait. sum up an 11-year experience in 30 seconds, please. Oh, God. Um, it was a blast. <laughs> was it a blast? Yeah. You just published the book, I'm in the Band. Yes. Um, I brought you a copy. I'm going to take the copy, because <laughs> I'm poor. Um, you were also an artist. You, currently, you ran a bar. You're a jack-of-all-trades, but let's talk about White Zombie, because uh, there's a lot of misogynistic people out there. <laughs> Let's be honest. You, <laughs> how many people that came to the White Zombie shows uh, were not of the male persuasion? Oh, like one percent. That's yeah. not a good percentage. <laughs> why? Why do you think there's such a lack of females in hard rock and metal? I don't know. I mean, there's more now, but when I when I did this, um, there was there was none. I mean, really, people. A lot of people bitch them and say, "Oh, that's bullshit." There was Doro Pesh and there was Lita Ford, but. They were not toying wait, with Wait, him. wait, wait, wait. You, thank you. You can't say Lita Ford. Once you duet with Ozzy in like 86, <laughs> exactly. you're no longer a woman. You're just a machine of sadness. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, I'm, a, I'm not a Lita Ford fan. I apologize. <laughs> well, I'm a big Runaways fan, and but I'm sorry. We she, were all Runaways fans. Yeah, but she classified herself, I think, as, I think they called it bubblegum metal or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't like what we were doing with. Yeah, it's not really white zombie <laughs> no. material. I mean, I don't think they toured with Pantera or, you know. How was touring with Pantera? Could you keep up? Amazing. I could keep up. <laughs> How are you not dead? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm half Irish and half Italian. I could drink and keep up. I didn't up realize that heroin had a nationality bias. It's not. It was only drinking with those guys. Okay. I'm serious. <laughs> Maybe for you. Well, Dimebag Daryl? I know, I know. I, That's so weird. That sucks I that he's dead. I still call him Diamond Daryl. <laughs> no, Dimebag. Dime, he loved drugs, everybody. He liked weed. That's all. Oh, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's why men that look like that only like weed. <laughs> he loved heroin, admit it. He did not. <laughs> he's, he's sadly... He's like my brother. I love Daryl. That's a... Why did I open with that? That's the most... Uh, <laughs> depressing thing to open with and it's i apologize okay. we can move on no it's not depressing they were so much fun and daryl was like the most energetic hilarious person you've ever been around so now i'm really sad no 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 it's it's all good memories <laughs> coming to the stage please put your hands together for washington post music creator and all around great guy chris richards everybody chris richards <laughs> Okay, let's, that's a great point to start with. You love your dad. Love him. Why do you love your dad? Um, my dad got me into music, actually, so there you go. I'm finding that that's kind of normal, Yeah. but that doesn't make sense to me. Dads versus moms getting their kids no, into music? No, any parent getting their son or daughter into music at all makes no sense to me. Well, it was kind of accidental, I think. It wasn't like he said, son... This is the Talking Heads. He just, you know, had the record. Wait, your dad had a Talking Heads record? Yeah, it was the coolest record in the batch, though. Let's, I'll be what real. What was the worst record in the batch? Um, some people really love Steely Dan, but I still have not had my awakening yet with Steely Fantastic. Dan. Fantastic. So. No, though, that's so. great. We're going to get along. I okay. don't get it. Yeah, I, well, I think I will. I think with all music... Well, here's, here's my theory on, on that. You're disappointing me. Uh, well, maybe... Well, hear me out. I think, you know, I'm very interested in when people have, like, a mass response 
you know, positively to, to something out there that I don't understand. And I always want to keep the idea in, in my heart that maybe I just don't get it yet. It doesn't connect yet because it's happened before. Like, you know, when I was like 17, kids would be like, check out this band called Suicide. And I'd be like, that sounds like noise and a guy like yelping into, it sounds weird. And then, you know, a couple of years later, Suicide was one of my favorite bands, you know? So it's like, you kind of come around on things. Um, maybe if there's some magic in this Steely Dan catalog, I'm sure there is. Uh, there's people who I respect very highly, musicians who I respect who love it. There's something in there. What do you think you're missing out on on Steely Dan? I'm not sure, but if I find it, I will let you know. We should preface that you are not just a music writer, you, critic. You are a former. You are a musician sure. yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you were in Q and not you. Yep. Uh, does that inform how you write about music? I think so. I think when you play music, maybe it makes you both more critical of, of who you're reviewing and also more sympathetic at the same time. Will you give bands a second shot because you've been a music because you are a musician? I th- I think you should give the bands a second shot always. I think especially because music you can change through it, you know, bands get worse, bands get better, artists get worse, artists get better, but I think so. I mean, the the band that I was in was like a, a punk rock band and it was very physical and, and okay. the performances that we gave were, you know. You were in a punk rock band but yeah. you also were listenable and not so abrasive that you would be considered punk rock. Okay. You would be yeah, considered sure. probably like post punk just straight up indie and it was very good. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. Um sure. Yeah, well, there was, was there was a melodic group. there was a melodic sensibility to what we were exactly. doing for sure. And suicide, not a big melodic sensibility there. No, I love suicide. Right. right. That no, no, sounds okay. odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Put your hands together, everybody, for James Van Osdell, everybody. I really like following you on Twitter because occasionally you'll do the marathon shows, <laughs> and they're fantastic, and it's like being there. That's not a question. That's stupid. I'm sorry. No, that, I like Twitter. I mean, I really I, – I think Facebook is awful. I, I really do. Why? I, I think – well, okay, first of all, I think Facebook is for girls. Secondly, it, like, <laughs> like all that awkwardness you had in high do school – Do you hate girls? Yeah, clearly. Now, all that awkwardness from high school, the social competition and all that, if you liked it in high school, well, now we're going to put it on your fucking mobile phone. We're going to put it on your desktop at home. We're going to put it at your work. I hate it. It's like a social arms race. This, this, these relationships and, oh, do I, ha- do I have to approve this person from high school who's kind of a dick? Oh, wait, but my mom's on Facebook now. Wait, my mom's on Facebook. What am I even doing here in the first place? Not a Facebook fan. But the point, uh, Twitter. I think it's a great medium. It's connected me with a lot of people, um, like really smart people. In the media, going back to radio, for years, there were, there were giant walls between radio formats and certainly between the different aspects of Chicago media, television, print. I think Twitter has been instrumental in kind of leveling those walls. And I, There's open communication being shared across all these different mediums. And I, th- I think it's amazing. Yeah. It, it connected me with you, I mean, which... I kind of harassed him on Twitter for like four months until he responded to me. That's, that's how we get all our guests. We just harass yeah. them. <laughs> that's how you have to do it. But I, I think it's a really great thing. And I, I find I have a better sense of communication and better relationship with people, like an audience, through Twitter than I ever did on the radio. Yeah. It sounds like an exaggeration, but I believe that. No, it makes complete sense. I mean, I feel like my generation, once again, uh, we're the last people not involved in that. So like when we were in college, it really impacted everything. And that, that's what I wanted to ask about. What's your audience like now? Because when we were growing up, when Ron and I were growing up, we kind of either had to listen to you guys or sure. other. They're, they're, like, when we had the internet, we were so dumb, we were still just downloading Metallica albums. Like, we didn't get that there were other bands out there. Um, what's, the, what's your audience makeup like now? 
It's hard to say. I, I do know that the way they respond is different. I mean, back going back to the 90s, I, I hate making myself sound dated, dated and old, but back in the 90s, you'd have a request line, and it would ring nonstop. Really? I mean, those lines would be lit up the second you walked in. I mean, now it, it's, you know, cute crickets chirping when you look at the phone. No one uses the phone anymore. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all SMS-based. So it's harder to get a sense of who's on the other end because it's all text messages or yeah. tweets. Or, Fair enough. Please put your hands together for Katie Balloons, everybody. Do you want to host, like, an hour-long variety show featuring balloons? and? You know, I um, have always let my career kind of unfold itself to me. Um, I only need to earn enough money to support myself and a decent lifestyle while creating my art. And from there, everything else is gravy. And um, I, I hope for the best. What do your parents think of this? Mm, they're incredibly supportive. Really? My father was not happy when I dropped out of college and became a go-go dancer. But <laughs> Where were you a go-go dancer? Um, in my hometown of Newport News, Virginia. How many j- jobs for go-go dancers were there? Like two? Just at the Junction Cafe. It was right across from Fort Eustace. <laughs> Did you get paid to do this? Yeah. It was a, it was a How does go-go dancing pay? Is it decent? Um, they, they put some dollar bills up on the table and uh, you, you shake a little. So you're not nude. You're essentially just wearing like a swimsuit. Basically, and, yeah. With but, boots. Right. But uh, that's how I, I started my uh, professional performance art career. I dropped out of college. I said, no, I want to spend my youth in my field. I got a job at a, a dinner theater, you know, one of these ones that they have in the hotel banquet rooms and they do it every weekend. And I worked as a go-go dancer. And then I eventually, you know, became a full-time blue-collar actor and, um, you know, I worked in a, a, a historical haunted house. I, I worked. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> How could something be historical if it's made up? Well, because it was based in Richmond, Virginia. It was called Haunts of Richmond, and it was about all of the different ghost stories uh, of Richmond, Virginia. Okay. I lived in Richmond before D.C. Anyway, so yeah, after yeah, Richmond. That's right. Um, yeah, so after a blue collar acting and switching into balloon art, you know, I've. I've found what I want to do for the rest of my life. If only I could find a partner to share my life with, then everything would be complete. Jewish men only apply, please. Seriously? (laughs) Well, maybe if you weren't so fucking bigoted, you'd have a man. (laughs) Um, I'm actually not a bigot. I'm a tribalist. That's bigotry. (laughs) Hey, which one do you like better of these? This one, because it's reusable. Well, this one's black. Now you hate it, right? No, that's stupid. You know what, it's Brandon? It's not Jewish. Brandon, that's what I meant to say. Uh, Brandon, you know what? No, 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 no. Clarify here. I just want to marry, share my life, and hopefully reproduce with a Jewish man. I have lots of friends who are not Jewish. Would you adopt? Yeah, for sure. Would the baby have to be born Jewish? No, I mean. Then why does it matter? It's just tradition. I'll stop talking about it. There's a lot of traditions that I'm not a fan of. I'm a fan of you, Katie. I'm not a fan of you right that's now, That's okay. Brandon. It's my talk show. All right. <laughs> Let's end this. Once we got to that point, that's when we end the interview. This oh. is a question from the Kids Book of oh, Questions. Oh, Brandon. You're delightful. You have been in balloons. That's both odd Maybe and I'll inspiring. put you inside of a balloon one day. I'm not Jewish. 160. <laughs> Coming to the stage, please put your hands together for Nick Vatterout, everybody. Nick Vatterout. Everybody you work with there is the same, too. Every restaurant I've ever had, there's always that one guy who hates everything, you know. There's always that one dude. You don't even like talking to him, you know. He's just like, 
What you what you what you like that movie, man? I hated that movie. Yeah, I don't go on YouTube. I think it's stupid. I think the whole internet's stupid. Where's John at? I don't know. He's probably at his house, like eating or some bullshit like that. What are you breathing over there? Fuck you, yeah. Jeez, can you like one thing? You know. And then there's always like that one. There's that one like person who's like super positive, like too positive. You know. They're just like, hey, hey, uh, uh, you know, hey, Carolyn, what are you doing tonight? Got big plans. Going to Target to pick out shelving. <laughs> You like want to cry for her, you know? Like, oh god, that's that's what you're looking forward to. <laughs> She's usually the same person who knows what they're gonna be like for Halloween, like in June, you know? Hey Nick, I know what I'm gonna be this year because I got nothing else to think about. And you're not even you like, why are you even excited about it? You know, like, what are you gonna be? A hamburger! I can't wait! <laughs> oh god, oh god, <laughs> you know? I actually, I do love dressing up. I, but you know how people are always like, a, like a, you know, like the sexy kitten or a sexy nurse or a sexy fire truck or whatever, you know? <laughs> One year I bought a toilet seat, put over my head. I had no shirt. I had a black bow tie, white cuffs. I was sexy toilet. I thought it was a great, you know? <laughs> and then I get to a party and this drunk guy goes, dude, that's the best costume. I was like, thanks. He's like, hey, everybody check it out. He's a shithead, you know? <laughs> like, no, I... I'm sexy toilet! <laughs> Hey, look, he's a shitty Seinfeld. I'm sexy toilet! Come on! Hey, ball! Come on! Yeah. I, uh, there's always, like, uh... I, I mean, I like, I like, you know, I like, I like trick-or-treating, bobbing for apples. My favorite thing to do, though, is uh, going to, like, a douchebag bar and watching the drunk girls come out crying in their costumes. Sometimes you gotta wait, like, five minutes, but eventually one will come out, and it's amazing. Like, they'll, they'll come out, and they're like, Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh my god, Becky! Oh my god, guess I'm at the I'm at the bar. Thank you. I'm at the bar. Yeah, guess who's at the bar? Mark's at the bar. I know. Hold on. Do you have a cigarette? Do you have a cigarette? Oh my god! Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then and then and then and you know and you know he knew I was gonna be here because I put on my Facebook status update what I was doing tonight. You know that he looks at that shit. You know. Hold on, hold on. Do you have a light? Do you have a light? What's backwards? What's backwards? What's backwards? Oh my god! Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then I went over to him, you know, and I bought some, I bought two rum and cokes because you know how he likes rum and cokes. And so then I went over and then I tapped him on the shoulder and he was just making out with some girl. And I'm just sitting there holding two drinks. <laughs> Dressed like a goddamn hamburger! <laughs> so that's the Halloween bit I wanted to work on, so I appreciate you guys. All right, you guys, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Nick Vatterout, everybody. Nick Vatterout. Ladies and gentlemen, come in the stage. One of my favorite comics in D.C. and soon to be one of yours, everybody. Please put your hands together for Haywood Turnip C. Jr., everybody. Haywood. Yeah, man, so my name is Haywood Turnip C. Jr., and uh, it's a it's a it's a weird name. It's a it's a name that makes people just kind of like, wow. They just really, where does that come from? Slavery. It was a gift. <laughs> I thank the master for it. I mean, it's a funny name. I mean, I, with a name like that, I have to be something, right? Haywood Turnip C Jr. One of the funny things about my name is that like my dad named me after him, then left. He was like, wow, you know, way to grow up, son. Be mine. Peace.
That one always hurts people because they're like, damn, damn, that's right, that's right. A lot of black guys don't grow up with fathers. But I did. My mother had four husbands, so I had four of them. <laughs> so a lot like this nation, I have four fathers. Hey, 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 declare your independence every day. <laughs> I feel like a stripper on that. <laughs> like he's trying. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but now, nah, man, my name is Haywood Turner C. Jr., man, and I hang out with like a lot of Africans, uh, as you can tell. <laughs> so I'm hanging out with uh, a couple of my African friends. We're kicking the soccer ball around. And uh, my buddy sees my ID. And he's like, oh, 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 my God, my brother. A would turn up see Junior. Oh, my God, brother. What did they do to you, my brother? If we were in Africa, my brother, you would be Zulu, my brother. Your name would be Uncle Unkulu, my brother. I was like, really? Pierre? <laughs> That's what Shaka Zulu translates it to. Pierre de la Croix. Jackson. <laughs> I said, how about this, Pierre Unkulu? Why don't you go get me some more diamonds, chocolate, and I'll take a Hakuna Matata while you're at it. And he was like, what do you mean, man? What do you mean? Hakuna Matata. This means no worries. I said, oh, no, Pierre. That's where you're wrong. In, this, in your country, it means no worries. Here in America, it means copyright infringement. <laughs> That's what you get for missing the first boat. <laughs> Please put your hands together for Martin Plant, everybody. Martin Plant, play him on. It's, uh, it's, it's, weird. it's kind of uh, weird to be here in like a failed planetarium or whatever this is. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It looks like following me is like the Pink Floyd laser show or something. <laughs> we all just get really high. I don't know, but um, <laughs> I don't know. But you, I mean, like everybody here is dressed very nicely and like, this is a good night out for you and because you're in an area where there are jobs and people have jobs and good jobs and you probably all got good jobs because you're smart people and because you know the shit to say in job interviews, right? You do. There's one basic spiel. It doesn't matter whether you're going to work at McDonald's or the head of government. It's the same basic speech they want you to give, which is I work well on my own or as part of a team. I have an excellent inside-outside knowledge. I know when it's appropriate to be silly, but I work hard. I also don't mind working overtime, providing I can get a little bit of foremost knowledge, and I want a career within this company. That's it. That's any job you want, right? That's all you say in the interview. The problem is they ask you questions, and I'm from a shithole piece of England, and I don't know you're supposed to say that, so I answer it honestly. And if you answer it honestly, you're not getting hired, right? When they say to me, so Mr. Plant, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? And I go, shit, drinking like I do? Uh, if I'm on this liver, I'll be happy? Is that a good answer? No? All right, well, where do you... What, what, can, you, what can you bring to the company? A case of Budweiser and herpes. <laughs> no, still not good? Okay. Well, what do you see as your weaknesses? Cocaine and strippers. You? Uh, sorry, you know what we're looking for at the Burger King family. Uh, the dream... The dream dies. But I love that, though. I love when you go for menial jobs that we've all had, and we all have them after school and college and stuff, and you go for those shitty jobs at McDonald's and Burger King and Subway and all the rest of it, 
And they say to you, like, what are your hopes and dreams? You're like, the last thing you want me to have in this job <laughs> is hopes and fucking dreams. If I have hopes and dreams, you'll find me with my head in the fryer in about 20, 25 minutes. Stop. <laughs> oh, God. And the thing is now, and, and this big thing at the minute is jobs. And the big thing is, like, people are like, people want jobs. People want to work. No, they don't. People want money. No one wants a fucking job. We need money. We have jobs because we need to... If you gave the option between here's a pile of money for free or here's a place where someone's going to yell, I said no tomatoes, faggot, at you for an hour, you need to take the money. <laughs> Please put your hands together, everybody, for Megan Gailey, everybody. Megan Gailey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so people listen to this at home, right? Wherever they want. Hello, people. Well, hello to all you, but hello, people at home. I, I look as dumb as I sound, so you're not missing anything that you're not seeing here. You're mad that the, the hockey game is on, I think. I love... Okay, so I have, like, a perfect shot of being able to watch this. Like, I'm going to say dumb shit up here, but then I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, the Bruins are still winning, and I love being able to watch sports. I fucking love watching sports because it just lets me keep tabs on all the men that I'm trying to get me pregnant. Like, I can see you. Like, the, the, the Cardinals are in town tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I could fuck Albert Pujols. This could happen. Like, you never know. It could. I love sports. And people, people don't understand it. Like, my dream in life is to marry a disgustingly rich professional athlete. That's all I care about. And people get so mad at me when I say that. They're like, you're a gold digger. You're a jersey chaser. It's like, calm down. I'm not going to apologize for wanting to marry a man that makes millions of dollars, is never at home, and has a life expectancy of 46. Like... <laughs> That just makes sense. Like, don't call me a gold digger. Just call me a practical human being. That's what my fucking nickname should be. And then they try and, like, talk you out of it. Oh, you're going to get cheated on all the time. Like, look at me. I have a sundress on and wedges. Obviously, someone's going to fucking cheat on me. Like... That's gonna happen. And, like, my best friend from growing up, she just got engaged to a bobcat. Like, not a jungle animal, like a basketball player. And her life is great. And he cheats on her all the time. Like, like we do laundry. He's just having sex with B-list models. And she doesn't care. She does squats in the mirror. She looks great all the time. She has the best Facebook statuses. <laughs> she goes to St. Lucia like six times a year. And it's like, I don't even know where the fuck that is. But it sounds awesome. Like, I will get HPV to go on a boat ride. That's fine. <laughs> Sign me up wherever that line is. And it's like cheating, that's not just for rich people. Poor people cheat all the time. There's an entire show about poor people cheating on other poor people, and it's just called cheaters. That's all it is. It's just poor people yelling at their ugly, fat spouses in the parking lots of strip malls. Like, so I don't want to break up with my cheating husband outside of a Ruby Tuesday. That's not how I want that shit to go down. I love salad bars, I do, but I just don't want it to happen. Like, if I'm breaking up with my cheating husband, you better believe I am floating in a crystal hot air balloon, which defies <laughs> physics. I'm going to be blasting fireworks out of my fingertips, just taking my prenup, dipping it in chocolate, while black angel babies dump diamonds on my tits. Like, I've seen basketball wives. That shit looks fun. That is fine. 
All I care, your, your life goal when you were, when, when you asked that question, my life goal is to get married. That's all. I just want to get married. That's it. I'm crazy about weddings. Like I'm so delusional. I watch like six hours of wedding shows a day and like the other 18 hours of the day, I just imagine what my wedding is going to be like. And on the wedding shows, there's never a groom ever. Cause like <laughs> a, apparently you don't matter, I guess. And I get that. Cause when I imagine mine, there's never, it's just me like 15 pounds lighter than this. <laughs> You don't know what I'm capable of in three weeks. I'm just in white, dancing with my dad. There's fucking rockets of money. Michael Buble is feeding me red velvet cake. Like, no groom, thanks. Not needed here. No one cares. And I, my favorite show right now, we, we have a lot, TLC. My favorite show right now is Say Yes to the Dress which is amazing, but there's a, there's a spinoff now, which is even better. It's Say Yes to the Dress, Big Bliss. And it is for fat girls finding wedding dresses, which is incredible. Like, because um, my biggest dream in life is to get married, and my biggest fear is to be morbidly obese. And, like, somehow these women have merged the two together, and they are living the dream nightmare. And, like, it's beautiful. Like... When you see an attractive couple in love, you're like, nah, that's not real. Like it's, but when you see two fat people love each other, like that is real because that is all they have. Like there's a saying that's like, when, when you're trying to find a job, finding a job is your job. No, when you're 400 pounds, trying to find someone that wants to fuck you for the rest of your life is your job. And that show shows that they made it happen. And that's incredible. It's amazing. And like, it's so, like, I'm so, I'm so proud of them, but I'm so disgusted by them at the same. It's like when I see a make a wish kid, I'm like, oh my God, you have leukemia. That's awful. But like, you're going to get anything you want. Like you can, you can cuddle a dolphin if you want. You can make that happen. And not even like a sea urchin, like a fucking running back. Anything you want, you can do. It's confusing to be me. Because when I get really, really drunk, I'll be like, ah, I want to marry an eagle. And people are like, you can't do that. That's an endangered species. And I'm like, no, not a bird, like a minority that can run fast. Like that's maybe even a Seahawk. That would be, I'd take a hassle back. That's fine. Adam Friedland, everybody. Adam Friedland. So I only got time for one more. And this is something I've been doing a lot recently in uh, comedy holes all around America. <laughs> and this is, called, all right, this is called Entourage in 60 Seconds. Can I get a silence? Oh no, we just got to the DMV, this line is so long. What are we gonna do? Haha, <laughs> good one, drama. I'll just let the laughs go for that one. It's really funny. Are, are, you ki- are you kidding me? I am Queens Boulevard. We need to get to the front of the line right now to get to the award show. Someone call up Super Asia Ari Gold. Uh, hello, Super Asia Ari Gold. 
Hi, Ari Gold, this is me, the entourage. We are trying to get to the front of the line at the DMV to get to the awards show. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Ari, can you help us? Don't worry about it. I'm going to get the president of the DMV on the line right now. He's a friend of mine. Hello, this is the president. Hello, this is the president of the DMV. Hey, Super Agent Ari Gold, do you know who I am? I need to get the entourage to the front of the line. <laughs> oh, the entourage right away, sir. <laughs> hey, we got to the front of the line. <laughs> Everyone gets a blowjob. <laughs> Life always works out. Entourage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming to the stage, we're the funniest people in Washington, D.C. and the greater eastern coast. That doesn't make sense. Please put your hands together, everybody, for Aaron Jackson. I, I went into an Abercrombie & Fitch the other day um, for the first time. That was a huge mistake uh, based on everything I've already said so far. Um, <laughs> you understand that was a huge mistake. Here's the thing. I, I've been walking past that store in malls for years. I knew it was clothing. I knew it was like trendy stuff, but I didn't know exactly what they sold. Because like whenever you walk by, they had the shutters closed. What the fuck is that about? So... I go in, I learn two very important things. The first thing I learn is that you have to wear a size invisible to shop at that store. And there's nothing in there for me, though. But the second thing I learn is that they don't sell black clothing, which I thought was very odd. I thought black's a pretty basic color. But I asked a sales girl for help looking for a black cotton T-shirt. And she was like, ugh. Yeah, sorry. Um, we don't sell anything black here. And I didn't hear her properly. So I was like, you don't sell to who, bitch? The guy's ready to fight it. But then I realized what she said was not racist. But uh, in the back of my mind, it was weird. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, I think I'm still supposed to notify someone. Like, I, <laughs> black man, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't have my Negro rule book though, so I let it slide. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a foul. <laughs> but I realized, look, there's nothing in this store to fit me. They don't have what I came for. So I start walking towards the door to leave. As I'm doing that, the manager comes over to me. He's like, ma'am, I overheard that conversation. And I wanted to let you know in case it makes you feel better that we don't carry purple either. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, Dalton, that doesn't make me feel better. I was about to give you a pass on the we don't sell black thing, but now you're telling me you don't carry the color purple either? <laughs> no, I have to report this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Danny Callis, everybody. Danny Callis! I'm done telling jokes for right now. If you had any idea, all of you in here, even if you're listening, how much I hated every single one of you, it would blow your fucking dork minds. If you had any idea. I mean, like, seriously, like, if you, like you're going to be like, he probably hates me on a scale of 98 to 100. You'd be wrong. Probably hates me 99 to 100. Still wrong. It's got to be 100-100. You can't get higher than that. Well, you know what? In this sense, you can. I hate all of you so much. I want you to take your fucking hipster dork beards. By the way, I don't have a hipster beard. I just grew this on. I'm lazy. I don't have a razor. 
Take your hipster beard, stuff them up your fucking uptight assholes, and then after you're done with that, I want to shoot out your fucking herpes-infected cock that your girlfriend doesn't mind because she already has herpes as well. And then I want you to just come right out. Look at this guy gave me the finger. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, do you have any idea how much I don't care that you gave me the finger? I mean, like, what do you do? And that's obviously not your finger. You bought it at, like, a recyclable shop, you fucking dork. Look at what you, it's your non-intentional Jew fro. This guy walks around, walks into offices. Let me get a business job because I have a Jew fro, even though my, na- my last name's Chromanamium. And that'll do it for me. Are you close to your family, sir? This eh? isn't a trick question. Eh? 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 Do you have cousins and brothers that you talk to or anything like that? The, or sisters? The less I talk to you, the closer I feel like we are. So the longer this show goes, the worse this relationship becomes. Uh, it's a level, <laughs> level of depth that I'm not, I'm not prepared to deal with. I don't know that that's like a rule with, with, with things that are outside a family. You think a lot before you speak, don't you? I'm kind of the introspective type. Once again, the theme of the show is things Brandon could learn. I don't have um, a relationship with my family. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing. I talk to my mother, and that's it. Um... Uh, so I got this voicemail the other day, and yeah. it made no sense because I have no idea who it's from. Uh, sound guy, could we play the voicemail? We good? Oh, awesome. Here we go. Hey, Brandon. Hi. How are you? And listen, it's uh, Sam, your cousin-in-law. Uh, Stop it there. Because we... I don't... I'm not married yet. I'm engaged, and to the best of my knowledge, my fiancé does not have a cousin named Sam. Continue. We've been listening to your podcast... And we love it. I listen to it as often as I can. It comes out really often, but I listen to it as much as possible. Uh, you know, sometimes a word may stop me. You know, in the monologue, I gotta skip it. But you know, uh, uh, you know, and it just makes us laugh at least once every podcast. At least one laugh. Stop that. Every. The show is ninety minutes long. That's not really a compliment. Continues. And I like that, that you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be funny the whole time. You can get really serious, really deep, you know, about a lot of things for most of the show, that it's not funny. I, lo- I really like it. And I actually, it was, I had a question about how the recording do you use, uh, like what kind of digital tapes do you use? Is there like a C60, C80? <laughs> You know, I, I'm, I'm just curious. You know, you've got that kind of distortion on it. You know, that's kind Stop. of... Uh, Stop. I'm sorry. We're learning how to use recording equipment. We've only done 170 episodes. These things just don't happen overnight. Continue, please. Uh, is that like a pedal? But you know what? I just really love I love all the guests that you have. You know, just such great that you don't... You know, you don't feel the need to uh, have guests maybe I might have heard of because otherwise I might be tempted, you know, to try and hear their answers, which I know, you know, letting them talk is not your specialty, really. But that's, I love it. I, it's one of my favorite live podcasts. 
which is just such an, it was or was just such an original concept and it's just stop there I'll... is it just me or does this seem like an awfully mean backhanded voicemail thus far I think it's kind of awesome alright continue let's finish see it see you at Christmas uh, <laughs> or whatever you know you might have to move home we love you buddy have a good day I have, I have no idea who that's from I, I have no idea why I got this uh, Ian, what do you think? Well, you know, it was obviously pretty critical in a passive-aggressive kind of way. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I, I, I thought there were there were there were uh, some 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 good tips there, and, and maybe what, really? maybe maybe what tips, Ian? maybe maybe you'll run into Sam at uh, at Christmas. I know. No, whenever I go home, it's just my mother and I, and I drink a lot of whiskey, so I forget the night. I've I, never met a Sam. I feel like Sam had some things to say, and he said that it, with with a familial level of love and kindness. But I've, how could I? How is it familiar if I've never met him? He's your cousin. I don't know him. He's my cousin-in-law. We're not even married yet. Why is my voice high? <laughs> well, he's gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna be your cousin. You should treat him like family. He's you know, and I, I don't know. So, you, do you, you think I should respond to this guy? In the podcast, you don't need to call him up and leave him a voicemail. If that's Could I start doing that? Of. Could I just start sending messages to people that might be listening to the show? That's how I would answer my voicemails. That's what I'm going to start doing. Could oh, I answer yeah. emails and texts the same way? Uh, Could this give me a do. job somewhere? What people might say to you, you didn't call me back. You didn't respond to my email. And I said, well, you know, I responded to you in my podcast, bitch. What? That's actually not a bad idea. And I do say bitch an awful lot. It's mm-hmm. going to be really good. That helps out. This- I want to just uh, bring up somebody... That has a different point of view than me because I think that's what fuels good talk shows. So come into the stage. Please put your hands together, everybody, for Political Comet, Patriot Pete, everybody. Patriot Pete. How are you, Pete? Brandon, i got to say, I'm very, uh, I'm very surprised by your show tonight. Why are you surprised, Patriot Your Pete? show is so, uh, you know, it's, I know it's cool and edgy to be alternative, but you had, you had the lesbo on first. That was a male. And then you had the Muslim. Yes. And it's like, what are, what are you trying to do? What is this, the United Nations? <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? The, Uni- the United Nations. <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like the United Nations, Pete. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not that much of a fan. Okay, what are you a fan of? Um, well, I came on this podcast today because I am in Washington, D.C., the vagina of the presidents, and I'm here to pre- to promote. You don't. I'm here to promote my Tea Party right-wing political extremist comedy tour (laughs) called the Constitution Patriot Comedy Tour Established 1776. (laughs) What in the hell was that? That's the band. I don't control the band. They're their own human beings. Listen, you want to have some normal music? You should play some of the, the Lady Gay Gay. You should play some of the some of the normal music. Something you get on the radio. Some Toby Keith. Something normal. Okay. You could have your you could have your podcast with your oh I'm so edgy I wear glasses. You're I'm, wearing glasses, Patriot Pete. I'm not. I, the listeners at home don't know that. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so I'm touring America with other conservative-minded political comedians 
Because really, we're just fed up. We're just fed what up. What are you fed up about? We're fed up, first of all, with the left and their domination of comedy. Okay? You got your, you got your Bill Mayers and you got your other Jewish ones. And Wait, we, that's I kind of racist, sick. buddy. No, Bill Mayers is not a Jewish. I thought he was. <laughs> he's, a, he's talking. He, you hear his show. He's like, wah, 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 wah. I was like, I can't even understand you, Bill Mayers. Like, where's this New York? Talk English, you know, Bill Mayers. And then you got your, you know, other liberal comedians, like uh, the girl from the movie Precious, and like all that. Wait, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> Gabori Sidibe. Okay, she's not a comic. Gabori Sidouchebag is more like. Yeah. All right, buddy, that's not <laughs> Thank right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all night. Tip your bar. You're not here all night. Okay. So, anyway, I'm touring the country with other very talented, conservative minded comedians. All right, who are some of the other acts? Um, well, we first tried to get, like, who are the best ones? We tried to get, like, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. But uh, we had a couple budget cuts, uh, so uh, we instead we got uh, Steven, the telephone company guy. All right. That's a joke. That's actually a joke. Oh, that was a joke. That's a joke. That's some of the type of humor you can see on this tour. Also, you have Dennis Miller, who's very smart. Oh, that's, that's a he's very just He's just very smart at politics um, and other things like that. Um, but, like, unfortunately, we didn't have the money to get Dennis Miller. It's our first tour. So we just, for our headliner, we just played Dennis Miller CDs for everyone. <laughs> and everyone's, like, just yucks it up. Sometimes I, I, I do a, a lip sync to a Dennis Miller. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, uh, I'm a small business owner. Okay. Why do I care about that? Well, because you should care because you're an American and your president... Barack Hussein Obama is taxing all of us and he wants to just put us in the poorhouse, spend it all on like algebra and like other stuff like that. Wait, I don't know you could spend money on math. Do you know? So anyway, I have a small <laughs> business. It's called Red, White, and Brute Gym, okay? It's an all-male gym. It's where me and my friends, we get away from our wives. You know, sometimes my wife's just talking, 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 you know, why don't you respect me, blah, 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 you know, so, you know, I just, we just like to get away, sometimes give each other, like, tickle parties, tickle tea parties, do tickle parties, TTPs, tickle tea parties. Wait, you do that at the gym? We do it at the gym, we give each other massages. Is this a gay gym? No, it's an all-male all-American gym. But you guys do tickle parties. And you know what? You know, check your flabby buns at the door. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Because if you don't like America, Brandon, and everyone else in this room, if you don't like America, you can just get out, okay? You can just go. You can just go to another country, okay? What country? Any other country. There's two... There's Wikipedia says that there's over 200 countries in the entire world. You want to live in this one? You're going to live in freedom, okay? You're going to live in freedom. And if you don't like freedom, then you could just get the hell out. That's what I'm saying. You could go to, uh, to, to Mexico or any of the other countries 
uh, Mexico Part 2, any of the other countries. You can go there, and I don't even care. Because, Brandon, honestly, I'm an American citizen. I pay my taxes. I pay so many taxes. You know what the tax on man-on-man massage oils are? Listen, man, I, I, I like the fact that... I'd like to work out some of my material. I'll give you one joke. I'll give you four jokes, one Brandon. One joke. One joke. I've already given you way too much time. I'm going to give you four jokes. One I got joke. four jokes. Hurry up. All right, everyone. Glad to be here. Tip your bartender. Glad to be here. What smells worse than Obamacare? What? Obama farts. <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that one. Okay, okay. Why do you think Barack Obama doesn't give a shit about the Constitution. Why do you think? Because he's got the constipation. Pete, are all your jokes just fart jokes with Obama as the first part? No. Okay. What? Why did the White House have to get fumigated? Because Michelle Hussein Obama farted. What do you call a militant Barack Hussein Obama feminist march? A militia Etheridge. Political comic Patriot Pete. Thank you. Daniel Knox is going to play now. Uh, I make enemies everywhere I go, everywhere I go, everywhere I go. I make enemies everywhere I go, all day long. And if you're sick and tired of how you're treated, it's only human to feel cheated. Everybody's got a little shit to throw, but I know something they don't know. I make enemies everywhere I go, all day long. I leave victims in my path, in my path, in my path. I leave victims in my path all day long. Because they ruin all the air where I live and breathe. I got something up my sleeve. Everybody's gonna have to feel my wrath. Tonight there's gonna be another bloodbath. I'll leave victims in my path all day long. The women and the kids I make dirty faces at the women and the kids 
all day long Because they walk around with the stick and the noise Oh, how I hate the girls and the boys Who squawk and cackle at the height of their fun Doesn't do a bit of good for anyone I make faces at the women and the kids all day long that song sir. without further ado the music of rock falls everybody rock falls i'd like to say that i'd be happy far away but i know it wouldn't matter where i go because even if i packed up for the moon i'd still be oh so blue because i could never hide from my memories of you the springtime is nice in Walla Walla And that Rome can make a very lovely home But even if I packed up for the moon I'd still be oh so blue Cause I could never hide from my memories of you
Lots of that up here. Everybody come and dance. Right now or later when you feel like it. Good. This is good. That's right. Hi. Might have seen me on the internet intercepting your boredom important like vitamins. Relevance is everywhere. I see it in the movies, hear it in my wicked time and rhymes are fat like a whale. And I'll blow them out my blowhole. Rappers ought to know. Whole bunch of my raps snap harder than a shark attack. Cause I'm tight with my right hemisphere. Bringing fear and loathing to your clothing. Cause I'm the best dressed here. I'm smarter than a doctor. Smarter than your mom. Hiding bombs in my flows. Making your brains explode. I write tomes at home. Cold cuts and provolone. But I compose them more dangerous than Don Corleone. My brain is like a bladder taking words from creative kidneys just in time for release into the world. Yo, you read for later. I'm like a giant gong when I take your rhymes on. Battling me's a lost cause. I'm trickier than Megatron. And I can dance. Like a robot jabbing at a hundred miles an hour When I rap on the phone, in the shower, in the kitchen The stairwell, a farewell in rap sports Farewell in shorts, cause I'm leggy like a racehorse Bam, like a lawnmower in your bathroom Like a broom with laser beam bristles And I can whistle Any reason you don't think I'm the best yet? Listen, I can show you the world through my whiskey vision I shine when I rhyme Words you never heard get rhymed Like Einstein, I might to science Killing crowds like the Mayans I annihilate the greatest rappers in the universe I arrive from space just before the Earth's birth And because I'm really smart Like the folks on TV I know lots of stuff Trust me, really, really smart Smoke MCs like cigarettes A pack a day at least Aggravate your senses And I'm relentless just in case Ooh. So far, so good Watch me do this What else? No, you never know when I'm gonna jump out and rap. Could be in your bathroom, rhyming about your shower cap. Give me a minute alone, and I'll dethrone you with my stats. Work my lads, do some push-ups, eat a sandwich, and then rap. I rap now, later, even in an elevator. Rising to occasions while you stare at playstations, go on vacations. Ooh. Look at animals in the zoo, stare at stuff all you want. I'm about to conquer you. Calamari rhymes with sorry, you're not the best at this. I'm squiddy, fry me up, get your dailyest nutrients. I'm vitamental like a lentil floating in your soup bowl. Checking you like Interpol, exposing your loopholes. Dynamite gets you in a headlock, put you in a stew pot, cook you up for the family, cause your rhymes are clammy. Mine are tasty, I base these MCs by twos and threes. Other 
rappers email me saying, Stein on my plea! Just because they're intimidated. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Amy Soraya. This is called Archaeologist. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Christelle's bacon, everybody. I think we're ready. It's the box. It's the box. The human box. have a drum with me i play it at the shows and they say it sounds pretty for some strange reason not everybody can see it i play it while i'm singing and i clean it while i'm feeling got a sound like and a sound like if you put them both together then it's it took a lot of practice and it started as a hobby and now i got 20 different drums and my body is the beatbox it's the beatbox so smooth with the and then bring it back as I press a rap and I could keep it going cause it's cool like that the beatbox started let's say in the 80s people heard the sounds with the mouth and said it's crazy and you can mix the sounds with the letters and the alphabet like B's and P's and T's and other things from clock sounds and doorbell rings you see the beatbox it uses all types of things now I can make it go fast and make it go slow it's so versatile that I can make it do We all have a million drums that's inside our chest But be careful when you use them, you can run out of breath Now I could easily cough and throw the beatbox off And mix the beat with the cough and the problem is solved Um, a combination of me doing a little bit of rhyming while playing the guitar, and when I'm not doing that, y'all saying it's the beatboxing, y'all gangsterous tones, and it's greatly appreciated. I'm beatboxing and playing the guitar at the same time, but it didn't always sound like that. It started off sounding like this. Very amateur. And so I just knew that I couldn't sustain a career as a musician by just doing that for like an hour, right? Not even 15 minutes. So I wanted to sound like I had two people playing at the same time. The beatboxer and a guitarist at the same time. So I started with a nice little cool rhythm. And started building my beatbox one by one, every drum. Starting with the snare, and then the bass, and then we need the hi-hat and the cymbals. to do an instrumental album. I could just get my Kenny G on, right, for like the next five years and just do it, right? But, you know, I call myself a progressive hip-hop artist. Hip-hop, so, you know, they gotta be some rap in there. So, 
I said, is it possible to play guitar, beatbox, and rap all three at the same time? I'm not from the cell firm zap. He can hear very much. Go listen with them. Style like bread flute or hands with people that will pick up a rap style and break your raps down and have you unwanted to rap now. I think faster when I back down. Post stupid stuff will play the background. Cause style's represents the strongest element from the south side. We call the continent. Pussing out the rounds on the back of bus. Bruising out my heavy coat. We're banging too much. If people know it, we got skills and we were showing. You're chilling with the Man, like can't say, have you open? Pushing out the kitchen with a stand and with the worst. Like this, I'm stuck. It should be paying for. I should be getting paid for. Crashing this manual label. I'm about to grow up. So brand and pass the claim off. Let's get the pay for. And then we turn out. Wild a dot with man flavor. It's the big box. It's the big box. The human big box. Let's fade it out like an old school record. very much thank you very much the bandana splits everybody please put your hands together for the bandana split
Here you go, look at last. Please don't talk about us when we're gone. Although our friendship ceases from now on. If you can't say anything real nice, well, baby, it's better not to say nothing at all. That's my advice. We are parting, you go your way, and I'll go mine. It's the best that you do. Probably the perfect song you could have ended this run of seven months at the Looking Glass with. Uh, you know that song would have been great if you played it during week one, and then we could have like closed all the shows with it. Instead, you waited seven months to play the perfect ending song ever. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> 